Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open, or you just love the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack when hunger strikes. I happen to love me my pistachios. Uh, I don't want to screw around with the nuts, so I love the no-shells pistachios. Anyway, there are a bunch of flavors to choose from, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno, lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts, and each ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Now it's like years later, and now finally we're doing a podcast here. <laughs> this is like, it's crazy. It's like, I'm but all jokes aside... I have to say that I missed you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Literally. It is me. The cliche of someone needing (laughs) no introduction. Uh, It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. I mean, it's, it's Arnold. Arnold is here at long last, and it is a doozy. And the goat might be with a goat. He's got a whole menagerie of animals here because we're at his house. When you have the king, you go to the king. The king doesn't come to you. You go to the king. So there's going to be stogies. There's going to be mini horses. They're going to be pet pigs. They're going to be a lot of Arnold memorabilia. It's going to be sick. Let's do it. Welcome to the Stogie Stogie Corner with the King Stogie himself. What is your favorite cigar these days? Let's get to the important questions right off the bat. Well, what is I, the important? What is the what is the cigar? If you're thinking about taking up cigars. I have a mixture of cigars in there. 
because they very rarely buy one. You know, so when pe- people know you're smoking, yeah, then um, they give you for your birthday boxes of cigars or for Christmas boxes of cigars or when you come out with a movie or with a TV series or a documentary or this or that, whatever, they give you boxes of cigars because it's easy. The only problem with it is, is that half of them I burn in the fireplace right over there. Yeah. Why? Because they're fake. So people will go to some cigar place and they will say, do you know what Schwarzenegger smokes? And he says, well, what's the matter with you? He buys his cigars right here. I know exactly what he smokes. He smokes the, the Cubans here, the Monte Cristo number two. And they will give them a box of Monte Cristo number two that are fake. How do you know they're fake? Well, I, 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 you know it also. Yeah. Because you smell it when they smell the tobacco, you know. Like this cigar I'm smoking right now is a Dominican Republic cigar. But I'm not surprised that the tobacco doesn't smell Cuban because it's not a Cuban cigar. Right, right. So, but I mean, no one is beating around the bush here and saying it's a, it's a Cuban cigar, it's just a Dominican cigar. They like to have some of them said little cigar. But I mean, so half of the cigars, I just go and throw them right. I, I smell it like this and then just close it up the box and just put it in the fire right over there and burn it with great pleasure. I just say to myself, okay, that guy spent, you know, $600, $800 or maybe $1,000 yeah, for a box sure. of cigars and he got screwed. I'm not going to take the time now to call all my buddies back and just say, you gave me a, a, a fake cigar. You know, that you don't do that, right? No, so what no, I do is bad, bad I, just, I just smell them. They go through the smelling test. And sometimes if, if I'm still not sure with the smelling, I, sm- I light it up and I smoke it and then I will detect it right away. So, you know, if you smoke for that many years, you know if something is real or not. It's like... If I taste somewhere, yeah. uh, something that they call Austrian pastry. And uh, I can taste in two seconds if this is really Austrian pastry or it's bullshit. It's made here in America and someone is faking it and making a linzer tort or a sacher tort. I know right away in two seconds. And the same is with cigars. You know, if you eat a Wiener schnitzel. I know if it's an Austrian-made Wiener Schnitzel, a Swiss-made Wiener Schnitzel, or French-made Wiener Schnitzel, those are the people that know how to make Wiener Schnitzel. Austrians, Germans, you know, where, where there is Wiener Schnitzel. But if a Mexican makes a Wiener Schnitzel, you know, it's like an Austrian making Mexican food. It's bullshit. It doesn't work. You know, so you said you got to stay authentic with the whole thing, you know, no matter how good of a chef you are. So you detect the things right away. But, I mean, you have always enjoyed cigars. I love it. The only problem with you is... That you, you're not allowed to smoke around your wife. I mean, it's like, I'm, let's I'm, be honest, you're not even allowed to bring your cigars into the house because she will immediately say, <laughs> who is smoking here? Well, who I, is smoking? It's the only you smoking there, right? And you're the, the only one there with, with your kids and, and your wife. She says, who is who's smoking? smoking in the who house? is smoking? And she busts you big time. I've made progress. I used to have that too here. I mean, don't I, worry about it. So it's like, I've made progress. I can now smoke inside my office. It's only taken me 32 years of, of being married. I've finally, but she kind of goes back and forth on it. Mm. 
I love the smell of cigars. But I tell you something right now. They're right. Because we, when we smoke cigars, we sometimes don't know that it smells up the house. Because we, we are not sensitive towards that anymore, right? But it goes into your clothes. And it goes into the bed stuff, you know, the, 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 the bed sheets and everything. It, it goes in there if you smoke a lot in the house. So I would recommend, I, for instance, I have no one now that will say you can't smoke or don't smoke. But I don't smoke in the house. Never. Because them as if they're right. They're absolutely right. I smoke out here. I created this seating area out here with the fireplace there and the benches and the and the, the table and you the couches. You smoke in the jacuzzi famously. Yeah, I sit right over there in the jacuzzi at night. That's where I, I create my daydreams, so my, my visions. And I come up with ideas sitting over there in the jacuzzi or oh, I was in San Valley. I sit in the jacuzzi when it snows outside in the winter. I just love it. Yeah. I sit out there with my cowboy hat on or an Austrian hat uh, and uh, just sit out there in the jacuzzi and just uh, enjoy a cigar. Absolutely. I haven't gotten into the smoking in the jacuzzi because it's, I can still get a little lightheaded sometimes. And if I get too hot, but I may have to try it because you're a big believer in it. There is a reason for that. And uh, the bottom line is, don't turn the jacuzzi up to 104. Keep it at 99 or 100. Really? Then you're comfortably warm. Then it's a little bit more than your body temperature. Your body temperature is 97. So you need something a little bit more than that. So that it feels warm. Because I have it too hot then, clearly. Mine's well, you know, this really is no, hot. But it's not good. Like, look, uh, especially when you have a hot condition like I have. Right, right, and, right. And my, my heart rate sometimes is irregular. I don't want to go in the jacuzzi and have it always and get a regular heartbeat just because of a hot jacuzzi. No, I have it at 100 and I can sit in there for an hour. I never get too hot and I can smoke my stogie in there and uh, everything is sustained and fine. So you just have to make a little adjustment with the temperature. Is that where you get all, do your best thinking, the jacuzzi? I, you think? Not all of them, but a lot of times because I like to sit. Uh, you know, just use the ashtray right here. Guys, why haven't you given uh, I need an ash- Rob I need my an own ashtray. ashtray? What's the matter with your catch? Come on, guys. Come on, go bring an ashtray Look at this. over here. There we go. That's, yeah, that's, that's exactly size. most expensive ashtray right there. There you go. Silver. I love it. Made in Mexico. <laughs> this is one of my materials that I got during the making of Total Recall. In Mexico City, there was a restaurant. There was a restaurant in Mexico City that was a five-star restaurant where they lit your cigar for you. It was unbelievable. I mean, you would never expect that. You know, that you go to Mexico City and you find the most sophisticated restaurant. And uh, and uh, the guy comes, rolls a rolling humidor in front of you. And then he opens it up, his glass, opens it up and says, pick a cigar. This is my dream restaurant. Mexican food with cigars. I'm telling you. Dream restaurant. I, I, Rob, I'm telling you, it was like so spectacular. I've never, ever seen this anywhere in the world again. And they, and I went there periodically and they would open up the, 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 the top class and they, I would pick, you know, a cigar. The guy would cut the cigar and then he goes and he takes out the, 
the killer and he puts it on this little piece of wood and he strokes the cigar with the tequila as if he's painting it and uh, with, with tequila. But just a little bit, not like soaking yeah. it, but just a little bit to get the flavor of the tequila. And the, the next then he rolls it in some cloth and then he cuts it and then he turns it slowly and he burns it with the, not with the match, but with, again with one of those uh, sticks. Is sticks. like a wood thing? That's right, yeah. The exactly. wood things, yeah. Because yeah. they believe that the match has the, the, the sulfur, or sulfur whatever it is. It, yeah. and they don't want to have the cigar smell from that. Right. I never smelled it from that, but right. they are very sophisticated, like yeah. I said. And they burn the cigar, the perfect ash, and then the guy just puts it in your mouth. So you don't even touch it. And then you draw it, and you, you, you draw it. And it's the perfect draw, the perfect smoke, everything perfect. Now, those were the days where you could sit actually at your dinner table after dinner and smoke, and no one would complain. Yeah. Because we're talking about now 1989, mm -hmm. right? When we did Total Recall there. So it was one of those uh, great experiences they had down in Mexico. But in any case, the bottom line is, is that, um, yes, I get my thinking in the jacuzzi and all that stuff. But my question is, what made you come up with that idea of doing a podcast? It was... Can you tell the, the, the Dutch that it's okay? He doesn't have to make the noises back there. Well, by the way, there are so many animals here. Yeah. What, first of all, let's discuss the pig for a minute. I hear pigs are the greatest. Well, didn't I ask you a question? Yes, you did. I'm going to answer your question. But you, your animals are making noise while I'm trying to answer. Well, okay. but it's okay. That's right. It's part of the... It's part People of the, will understand what you're saying. Yeah, they will. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. That's um, for sure. I like to... I'm curious. I like to talk to people. Um, I have people in my life like you who I've known a long time and who the public knows a long time, but I feel like... I bring out a side of them that maybe others aren't going to bring out when I talk to them. And I've, you know, I've been really fortunate to talk to you name it. And I've, I've talked to them all, you know, everybody who's been through our lives of, of consequence, right? Um, Maria was one of my first guests. I've talked to Oprah. I've talked to Gwyneth, Matthew McConaughey. I've talked to, you know, you name it. I've talked to them. And I, and I feel like I get to see a different side of them because of my history. Right. With them, and also the other thing is, just the long form discussion is that's what podcasts are are, are for. And I grew up. Remember the Playboy interview? You must have done yeah, the Playboy sure. interview. Yeah. Remember, like that was everybody sat down and read it, and and that was where you really got to know somebody you admired. And and those things are gone. People, maybe they, what we do, Howard Stern now, or well, that was snappy. Yes. I called it snappy. Yeah. Because it was so brilliant. Yeah, it was very quick To have boom. a intellectual conversation mm -hmm. in the middle of Playboy magazine. And that's what threw everyone off. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about that. They, they were the most in-depth interviews. 
the most genius kind of things. Then they had these pictures of people with different gestures, you know, as if they're in the middle of yes, talking. Yes, remember the pictures? Yeah, there's yes. like eight pictures always there, the, yeah. or six <laughs> pictures, or whatever it was. And they found this with the pictures, you know, with someone just going, no, 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 or, or kind of like with big surprise, yeah. you know, kind of like, oh, yes, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And they had all these different facial expressions that they did, and they put them there. And then there was this famous writer, you know, whoever that was at that time, and uh, he would interview you. And it would be a long, long interview, long. just like you said. But people would buy, and there were people that would be kind of like um, ashamed to say that they bought Playboy magazine. For the interviews. What they said for the interview, <laughs> but no one bought in, right? I mean, because people say, yeah, that's right, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm sure that you studied the interview very carefully. Yeah, you love and that you Ralph Nader interview exactly, in the August issue. Exactly, and I'm sure you avoided the yeah. cover yeah. and the centerfold. <laughs> I'm sure you combed through that very quickly and avoided it. <laughs> Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment? There's only one answer, California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. All good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com.
But anyway, I had I had lunch yesterday with my uh, ex-wife Maria and with uh, my daughter with Christina, and they both were saying that they say hi to Rob, and uh, she told me that she did your podcast. She was great. I will, I will have a great time talking. Uh, it's yeah, it it a perfect it's, example. People don't know how funny Maria can be and how much she likes to laugh. That's the first thing. Maria's very, you know, she's, you know, there's nobody more. She's a searcher. She's always trying to solve problems. She takes the world very seriously, but like she likes to laugh, but you don't get to see her laugh so much. Yeah, no. So I got her laugh. Well, she, she, she laughs. I mean, she, she, she gets the chances to laugh and all that. But you're right. I mean, it's... Uh, if you don't have the right people around, then it is uh, yeah. that's fun to laugh. But uh, I remember with me, she laughed a lot. And we laughed a lot yesterday, sitting in the restaurant. We went to R&D down there on uh, Montana uh, Avenue and had a great lunch. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got it. Okay, so I want to know about the animals because I haven't really met them. Oh, the, an the animals. Lulu uh, and Whiskey are famous now. There's a movie being made, developed about Lulu yeah, and Whiskey. That's so, right. So Lulu and Whiskey... Uh, well, whiskey is Catherine's miniature horse, miniature pony. Originally, it was Catherine's. That's right. Well, you still, you know, I didn't take ownership of it. You didn't adopt well, her officially. I mean, I have it. Right. You know, because she, no she dropped the basically. ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, my daughter dropped the ball. Yes. When she, she abandoned. When she had this animal, and it was everything to her. Then all of a sudden, she started dating. And then all of a sudden, guys were in and the horses were out. That's she stopped horseback riding. She stopped jumping, competing, and all of that stuff. So then this poor horse was down there on Vanderbilt Canyon at some stable. And I didn't pay much attention uh, to the whole thing and you know, who's taking care of it. But then eventually, um, I said to Alexander, I said, so what's going on with the horse down there? Uh, with whiskey. He says, I don't know, let me check it out. So he checked it out and he says, well, the guy said that no one is ever coming by. He's taking her for a walk. And I said, well, have him bring it, bring her up here. To your home. Yeah, so I brought her out. So he brought her up here and then I just uh, had her roam around in the grass here for uh, two, three hours a day and then took her back. And I played with her and all of those things. So then I said, a half year later, I said, that's stupid. Why don't we just build a stable here? We have enough room. So we built a stable, a stall. Yeah. And uh, we built a stall and the whiskey was in heaven. But I could tell that every time she came into the house, I had to come into the house. Well, every time. And I had to eat yeah. with me. And then you know, I fed her and I gave her cookies and um, food. And she got along with the dogs really well and all that stuff. But I could tell that she was not kind of as, as kind of like joyful as she could be. And I was made aware of that they, they need companionship, you know, hmm. they need another horse or donkey or something like that. So my girlfriend, Heather, she uh, gave me for Christmas four years ago, the donkey. And so all of a sudden... Was it under the tree? Was it under the Christmas tree, I, I the was, ribbon? I, I was driving up the, uh, you know, Mandeville Canyon and there was this truck with a trailer and with, uh, with, uh, with a donkey in it. 
with a little tiny donkey. And I said, I was cursing all the way up Mandeville Canyon. You know, the usual thing we do when we're in a car, right? They're cursing at everybody because we're by ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. a bitch, and why the driving so slow, and you know, it must be a stupid driver, and blah, why blah, blah. Why is there a donkey in, said, in Brentwood? And then, you know, just as an idiot, you know, they should just drop the donkey off somewhere and yeah. just go home and you know, all this stuff. So it's just, just uh, the raving and just going crazy. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the truck drives right at the fountain down there. So I said, well, it's going kind of it's my direction. It's going, to- <clears throat> it's going somewhere in my village. Dr. Dre needs a donkey. And uh, the next thing I know is it turns then, uh, up my driveway. So I said, well, that's really funny. <laughs> I wonder if someone has just, you know, kind of missed the gates, something like that. So anyway, I just follow that truck all the way up my driveway. I get out. And now Heather comes out and says, oh, hi, you know, and says hi to the girl. And it's a great for you to come and all this stuff. So I realized that there was something going on. So the donkey gets off the next thing. So she must have kind of uh, called her. I'm five minutes away because now whiskey was out right in front there where you drive up the driveway, whiskey. So now the, the donkey gets off the trailer and then Whiskey and 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 uh, Lulu are just kissing each other, hanging out together, running off together, and now Whiskey is showing her the property. They are all running off now together, and they were glued together ever since. Just like that. Just like that. They were like buddies. So so the, what the experts said, and what Heather also said, who grew up with horses, that she needs a companion, and true enough, that companion did it. So now they're just hanging out. Lulu is completely protective of Whiskey. Whiskey is now 17 or some years old, and uh, Lulu is four. And uh, so this is kind of like, so I think that during the COVID period, you know, in order to entertain people because people were stuck at home, so I said, if I go and have some videos go out of the fun we have here, and the kind of things you can do when you're stuck at home, you know, like here's what I do is I have my animals come into the house, they come up to the gym. You know, there's a, uh, as you know, there's an exercise for your calves called donkey races. Yeah. You know, yeah, where someone donkeys. sits on top of your back. And there's a, so I, of course, took pictures of me doing donkey races with someone sitting on my back with the donkey standing there and watching <laughs> us doing donkey races and stupid things like yeah. that. And so, you know, I would just, you know, uh, put those videos out. And so it, I realized that how much people really enjoy those kind of videos and enjoy them, the animals coming into the house and all this stuff. And I always love that idea of having animals in the house and not just the typical animals like cats or dogs, but anything. Like my pig that you hear in the background. Um, you want to check out why the pig is making noises? You want to take him out? Yeah, bring him out. Just, just yeah. let him run around. Well, just let him run around a little bit. Otherwise, he will make noises. He's not happy. They're social animals. And so anyway, so I have the pig coming into the house. He runs upstairs and downstairs. Uh, I have everyone coming into the house. And uh, I uh, that there was, I don't know if you ever saw that, there was a uh, famous picture uh, out there one time on, 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 the, on the internet of a bison, a 
big monster bison, the bison that weighs thousands of pounds. Yeah, sure. Uh, in the kitchen. And so what happened was I found out when I read up on it was that this farmer, you know, had this bison that was kind of abandoned by his by his uh, uh, mother. And uh, so he brought up the bison and fed, fed it uh, milk, they gave it the bottle in the beginning and then slowly it grew up. And it always came into the house. It always came into the kitchen. And then now eventually it became this monster bison that still said they had to open up the doorway, make it wider. They had to make it taller, the doorway, so this bison can fit in. But it still trots into the kitchen, who looks around and looks for food and stuff like that. And that doesn't destroy anything. But are, are you ever worried about those horrible stories about the chimps that they raise? And then one day the chimp takes your face off and eats your digits? that's what they do. They eat your, your digits. They eat anything hanging off your body, if you know what I'm saying. Well, only a sick person like you <laughs> would switch from a beautiful animal like a bison and, uh, and a donkey and, and, uh, and uh, a miniature pony uh, to a chimp that, would, that is ripping your balls off. I mean, it's like only you would do that. <laughs> You know, That's where you my head just, goes. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. That's where my head goes. It's unbelievable. I, I mean, haven't changed I'm at in all. A, I have a dark underbelly to me. I'm going to call now your wife after this and say, look, he, the next time he does an interview, you have to come with him because otherwise he goes always to the sex organs with the conversation. <laughs> it's like he won't stop. <laughs> Animals and sex organs. That, that's my sweet spot in interviews. Really, where's that? Oh, there he is. Hey, come over here. Come here. Schnelli. Come here, Schnelli. His name Schnelli. is Schnelli. Does he, like, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, he does the ground thing. He's very talkative. Really? They love to communicate. They, they, as, as they walk around, they talk. You know, there's, like, one of those, like, some, you know, some of these older people that just walk and talk to themselves. The, 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 the pigs are like that. Ring, 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 ring. <laughs> it's just all the time. Very funny. <laughs> Have you ever had a very, because you, you do so many initiatives and you're still so politically involved. Have you ever had important meetings and all of a sudden the pig comes in and says hello and leaves? You know, you, yeah, people love it. People love it. Sometimes the pig sits in my lap and, uh, you know, while I'm having a meeting or something like that. People love this stuff. You know, they don't mind it because it's like most people just cannot even dream of having animals like that. You know, my dream always was in the old days when I came over to this country, it was still fashionable to have a cheetah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. My, there's a lot to unpack in that sentence. Still fashionable to have a cheetah. It is. Where? In, in Iraq? No, no, it was, no, no, no. In, when I came over here, there was uh, What are you, Uday people, Hussein with your cheetahs? No, 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 no. There was rich people that had cheetahs. Well, and, wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Lou Wasserman had a cheetah? Like, who? I didn't say Lou Wasserman had a cheetah, nor would I know if he was interested in a cheetah. But it was usually actually rich women. And uh, if you go online, just look at, you will see that uh, the women walking around with them and uh, in New York or going shopping with you the You mean cheetah. to tell me there was a time in New York City where it was common to walk down the street and rich women had cheetahs? In America, not just in New York City, in Vegas, in America. Hey, I think 
what they were teaching you in Austria about American history might be slightly skewed, maybe. But that would make me want to come Ketchel. here. The good thing is that we have Ketchel here, my chief of staff. And he can look up everything and anything because he's very good with the, with the thing. There's famous pictures of it uh, that are out there online. I have to say, to Rob's credit, the first article that came up in Meet the Kuwaitis, Well, listen, it's easy to confuse Kuwait with the United States. People do that. Well, let's just uh, let's just find out. He can search and see if Why he can find the pictures. Why don't you have a cheetah? That begs the but question. But anyway, so, so Why the no cheetah? Uh, because a cheetah was known of that you're able to kind of domesticate it. So it's not like a tiger or a lion that's almost impossible to domesticate. They And they're just so powerful and so big. Cheetahs are usually like 150 pounds. It's like a... Yeah. Like my dog is, is 150 pounds. So this is the size that they get. And uh, it's more manageable. And it's also easy to have it in a house or in a large apartment if you have a 5,000 square foot apartment or something like that. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> did you find anything? Yeah. Uh, apparently people, rich people, didn't want to own cheetahs so much that it actually started to cause their extinction. Got it. I, I thought it was global warming. No, it is rich people. Rich people. Well, usually, if you're looking for a problem, the answer is usually rich people. <laughs> that is un... But anyway, so the, the bottom line, so there was my... But that, then, I, then yeah. I realized that in California, the people kind of like started passing laws that didn't allow you to have the kind of... those kind of animals, exotic exotic animals. And um, then I said to myself, oh, probably it's not even good. So, the, 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 you know, the, the more you grow up, mm -hmm. the more you realize maybe this is too confined and that the cheetah needs more a place where they can run around in the free and all this. So I got off that idea and said to myself, I'm just going to enjoy pictures of wild uh, cats. And then eventually when I go again, back again to South Africa, I'm going to see them anyway. You see, I used to go to South Africa to visit my idol, Reg Park, who had a gymnasium chain down there, and he would take me out and where I would see lions and tigers and all kinds of know, elephants you, and other giraffes. Know, I think I have it on my phone. Do you, do you know about the practical joke we played on Maria in South Africa where Christopher, your son Christopher and Maria went with us on a safari and they were a little scared of the animals, a little bit. And the camp was surrounded by lions. It was legitimately surrounded by lions. And you had to have, you had a, an air horn. If the lion came anywhere near your tent, you hit the air horn and the, the, the warriors would come. And so everybody went to bed and we decided that we would scratch the tent and make lion noises to freak Maria and, and Christopher out. And it is one of the, it's one of the great like videos ever. We got her so, and Christopher, they were so scared. It was amazing. Uh, thanks for inviting me on the trip. But anyway, <laughs> um, that's besides the point. <laughs> next, we'll do it next time for sure. Well, you, you know, let, let the story be told that since I got divorced from Maria, you haven't been around much. 
I got, I because think she got custody. Because you wanted to prove to her that you're loyal to her and not to me. So because even though we didn't have any of those things, we always had friends that, uh, that were loyal to me and to her and they didn't get involved in all of this stuff. But I mean, you did. See, and, I, uh, so I, I, it was like unbelievable how all of a sudden I said to Maria, I said, why is Rob not showing up? He's so many times, every time I run into him, he says to me, he says, let's smoke a stogie together. Yeah, I'm coming down to LA. I have an apartment now in LA because I'm doing my TV shows in LA. And, you know, because uh, Rob, of course, is working day and night. If he does not have a TV show or if a TV show gets canceled, then he has three seconds later another TV show. <laughs> so, I mean, so it doesn't stop with the TV shows or with the movies or with all this stuff. So he's in front of the camera all the time, right? So that's he let me know. That's why he has now an apartment. He not only lives in Santa Barbara, you know, this is 20,000 square foot house, but I mean, he also has this 5,000 square foot apartment and where his uh, the, the sons come and stay there and all this kind of stuff. And Arnold, and I go down there all the time. So I will come over if you don't mind. I will come over and grab a stogie. You have the stogie still, right? I said, sure. I said, come over. When are you going to come? He said, this coming weekend, I guarantee you. So of course, now it's like years later. And now finally we're doing a podcast here. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, it's crazy. It's like, I'm, but all jokes aside, I have to say that I missed you. Why? Because, I mean, you and I, we had just so many things in common. So many crazy stuff. I mean, when we think about oh. the skiing that we did together oh in Sun Valley. Oh, my God. It's so true. I mean, true. you were the craziest skier around in this, tearing up the slopes. You were going down the slopes with high speed and the moguls and the this and the that. And we were skiing with Clint Eastwood and with all of those guys and had a wonderful time. So we had a lot of fun. And you came over to the house all the time. And I was... I kind of missed all that stuff, but you know, maybe eventually going to wake up and say, you know, I can hang out with Arnold again and Maria is not going to decapitate me. I can't disagree with anything that's been said here. I can't disagree because Fra- Maria's scarier than you to me. I'm way more scared of Maria than I'm scared of you. Well, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I, and, and it's true. I, I'm, I'm a casualty of the divorce, but I'm now exerting my own will and I'm back. I'm back. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of the bike rides, of the feeding cookies I'm to Lulu and whiskey. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy. Thanks to Bark. Every month we deliver toys and treats just for your pup. They deserve to be spoiled every month. At Bark, we send your dog 
a whole collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's our fun plush toys or our ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, we will double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com Rob. BarkBox is so convenient and delivers straight to your door and more importantly, right to your dog. I can't wait to try out BarkBox. My dogs need their toys, particularly the chewable toys. Sign up now at BarkBox.com Rob for an exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's get back to petting our dogs. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance TVs. They're certainly out here, there. But when I, when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's, I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. But I'm happy that you're doing so well with your career. I'm happy you're doing so well with your podcast, that everyone wants to talk to you. And I'm, I'm happy that you haven't aged. <laughs> you know, that you look fantastic. You look really great. Unbelievable. Thank and it's you. Like, it's, 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 it's great. And then you have this successful TV series with your son. I just thought about we're not supposed to talk about our oh, right, shows, yeah, yeah. about our movies because of the strike. Uh, so why, By the way, I know. Why can't you end the strike? I could. You could. Why I don't could. you? They haven't asked me yet to negotiate. But I mean, I, 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 I definitely in, could. Because you, could I, it, you could end it in two hours. Well, I, 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 I will be a good negotiator because I, can, I feel sympathetic to both sides. both sides. Yes, and you know the and, players. Uh, and also one of the things that you learn very quickly is there's no perfect deal. So when I was governor... There was no such thing as a perfect deal. So, you know, when you, when the, you tried to do healthcare reform or you wanted to do anything, you could never please and create a tent for the nurses association and for the hospital association and for the doctors and for the insurance companies and for everybody. You, you have everyone sitting on the table and you say, guys, if you're happy with the seven, I think we can work on this. And I think we can reach the sweet spot. I said, but if you want to all, if you're all looking for the 10, it's not going to happen. And so this is uh, what is important to recognize that when you go into a situation like that and negotiate, that you understand it and you just, just say, okay, uh, let's go and really be fair here and push everyone 
so that we can go back to work, you know. So there's a way of doing this. There's a sweet spot in everything. And it's just that the question is just how willing are people to go and settle that? I really want you to get involved in this. This is It's gone on way too long. I mean, maybe we get you and Gavin and whoever to get involved. People need to go to work. Like, <laughs> yes, you're right. Gavin would be the right guy. <laughs> Are you jealous because he has better hair than you? I, I think I'm jealous that he's younger than me. Mm. <laughs> mm. Okay, so... Man, would I like to be that age? Oh, your age. I mean... Oh, any age, younger than whatever I am today. Uh, what happens... I, I knew to ask you, what do you make of RFK's presidential run, Junior? I think it's great. I think that, um, you know, even though there's some people that think that uh, he's too way out there. But, uh, you know, I I have known Bobby for a long time and he has always been a reasonable man. And he has his opinions. You may not agree with it, but they're great good opinions and uh, he lets you know what those opinions are and there's nothing fake about it it's just it's, it's just out there and I think he has it in his blood to create a better country and to you know become president and if it would happen or not that you never know I mean I ran for governor in the recall no one thought that I would become governor of California so I mean you never in politics you never know because all the events change so quickly you know it depends what the lawsuits are with Trump it depends what the lawsuits are with uh, with uh, with Biden it is it, it, you know it, it depends of how much more gets exposed of the corruption uh, charges of the mis uh, use of power on Trump's side corruption with the Biden side and all that stuff it's 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 just um, everything moves all the time and there's new revelations. And uh, so I think that any one of the candidates can, in fact, win. It, 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 it all depends on which way the, 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 you know, the wind blows. And we got the hammering going all Yeah, because there's a lot of construction going on. So you... Yes. ...being a... I don't even know if you're uh, still uh, a Republican or if you're a Democrat now. Well, uh, I thought you were like a moderate, a moderate. A Republican. Am I though? Okay, let me ask you this. And I ask people this all the time. What are the, our good friend, hang on, I'm going to think of his name. Congressman David Dreyer. Yeah. David Dreyer, good friend of ours. Of ours, yeah. Yes. And a, a good man. Served for, for many, many, many years. He used to have the greatest... What makes me a Republican? And he had, I think, four or five things. I think it was um, in no particular strong military, low taxes, less government, more personal freedoms. There might have been one, a couple, but it makes sense to know. Strong law enforcement. Strong law enforcement. And, and then I'd like to know what the, I always ask Democrats what it means to be a Democrat in that way. And I, I think- Whatever anybody would say, ruin your cities. What would, they, what would they? What would they say? Ruin your cities. What's that? Ruin your cities. Ruin your cities. That's what the Democrats would say. Be about ruining the cities. We want to fuck up every city in America. 
That's what the, 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 this seems to be the theme right now. Why is that? I have no idea. But I mean, when you talk about the Republican uh, philosophy and all this, what you just said is exactly what made me buy in when I listened to Nixon campaign for president in 1968. I was here just one month. You're one month, you're brand new I here, you barely new here. speak English, you and don't know I, anything about Republicans or Democrats. I knew, I, I knew nothing about it, and I just uh, had what this... Did, so what did he say that spoke so to I, you? I, I had this friend who was a real, real liberal by the name of Ari Zeller, and he was a bodybuilding photographer. They called it physique photographer. But he worked down at the post office on Fifth Street in Santa Monica. Hardworking guy, worked in with the photographs, developing photographs himself and all this stuff. And uh, he was Jewish and spoke some German. And so he was able to translate for me enough that I understood what Nixon was talking about and was hum what Humphrey was talking about. So when Humphrey talked, I, I felt when he translated this for me, I felt like I was back in Austria. Who's calling? Anybody good? It doesn't really matter because the bottom line is I will never answer a thing when I'm uh, talking to you. I like that. So I'm going to turn it off right now. The sound you will never hear again mm -hmm. while we're sitting here. Because the sons of bitches should know that there's only one priority right now, and that's you. I love it. So anyway... So when Humphrey talked, I felt kind of like, okay, that sounds a little bit what politicians would say in Austria, socialism. So wait, and, even then in 68, yeah. you felt, because now it's very popular to say that sounds like socialism. Even even then you you recognized what you felt to be the similarities. Well, it sounded to me like, it, you know, that government is the solution to the problems and all this kind of stuff. So I said, what the fuck are they talking about? I mean, it's like, if you look at, I mean, even today, now 55 years later, I mean, nothing has changed. The, the private sector is like booming in California. I mean, look at this. In America, look at it. You know, we are the strongest economy, California, in the United States. And the, the United States is this ex extremely strong economy all over the world. The private sector is booming. We are producing the best agriculture, the best entertainment, the best music, uh, the, the best uh, high technology. Uh, you know, no matter where you look, we are number one. But that's the private sector. The public sector, they're fucking idiots. I mean, they're ruining the country. They cannot get anything done. I mean, have you seen what's going on in Washington? I mean, it's like... For how much longer can you talk about immigration reform? We know that we need it. And the two parties cannot get together for 30 years now. They've been talking about it. Don't you think... How about the spending? Don't you think... Every year, we have another trillion to two trillion dollars debt. So there's a deficit. And when you have a deficit, it becomes debt. And the end of the year, right? So now it gets added to our debt. So now we started out, uh, Clinton wiped out all of the deficit and all of the debt. So we started with zero under the Bush administration. And since then, for the last 23 years, we gained 
30, what is it, 36 trillion dollars or something like that in debt. How are we going to pay that off? There is no plan to pay it off. So just besides the immigration reform that I talked about, that they haven't tackled, they have not been at all making even a step towards fixing this problem. And we're always complaining about people living beyond their means and they're ringing up the credit cards and they cannot make the payments. The students are having student loans and they cannot pay off the student loans. And all of this stuff we're talking about. But the government is the worst example. They just keep spending money they don't have. It's crazy. And it's both parties. Yeah, of course, it's both parties. But that's why I say Washington. I'm yeah. not blaming any party for that because Trump kept spending, Bush kept spending, Obama kept spending, Biden now keeps spending. And the funny thing about it is that they go out there as if they're giving us something. They say, I just went and uh, I'm going to do a student loan forgiveness. Right. Well, you are giving a forgiveness? It's our money. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And where do you get the money from? We have already another $2 trillion this year in debt and deficit. So where are you going to get that money from? Oh, and now, by the way, I want to have a $1.3 trillion uh, infrastructure package. And then there will be this green package. I say, who is going to pay for that? I mean, it's like, do we ever stop? Do we ever think about, let's kind of figure out a way together, Democrats and Republicans, uh, to solve those problems? And you cannot solve those problems alone. No Democrat can solve this problem and no Republican can. They have to go and start looking at each other as partners. You have to be partners. It's like a sports team. The only way that the sports team is going to win is if they all work together and if they all play together. You cannot have half of the team say, well, we are the blacks, you know, we're not going to work with the whites or something like that. Oh, this is the Democrats and we are the Republicans. Imagine a sports team would do that. I don't want to play with the Republican. He would never win. Nothing. He would never do anything. And that's just what's happening in Washington. They just, they just love fighting amongst each other. And the only thing they're interested in is serving their party. But you have to serve the people. You know, so it's, it's really insane when you, when you look at what is going on. And this is why I think it's very important that we look closely at the elections and make sure that people get excited about voting and get excited about reading up on the various different candidates educating themselves and not just telling, doing what the oil company tells them to do and who to vote for and what the unions tell them who to vote for. No, read up on it and just become your own person. It doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or Republican. We got to have good leadership. Well, this is why I supported, well, you're my friend. I would have done it anyway. But this is why I was one of the first people to help campaign for you for governor. I mean, just listening to you right now reminds me of... What a great leader I, th I think that you are. And and I'd love to see you have a, a, a place on that stage. Again, I know you, you're probably getting more done in the private sector now than you were as governor because, I mean, we have a one-party system in California anyway. There aren't, there's, there's no, there are no Republicans here. Well, you know, I mean, I always appreciated your support when I ran for governor and when I was governor. You were always there for me. 
And, um, but you also knew where my heart was, you know, yes, we were Republicans, but we didn't look at it like this is my state. This is the Republican state. We always looked at it, this is our state. You know, that Democrats and Republicans share the state together. And I never kind of villainized the, That's the I Democrats. Hate. I hate the villain of, of either party. I hate it. I hate I know, it. I hate there's it. There's no reason. I mean, I, the, the people vote for the Democrats up there. And uh, so I wanted to sit down with them and I wanted to say, here's what can we do together? And so we decided that, oh, isn't it great that we, want, we can do infrastructure together? We can rebuild California. We can put, you know, 40, 50 billion dollars of infrastructure money into California and pay it off over the next few years and have the bonds, you know, pay it off and then let the people vote for that. We, we, we passed the bills and we put it out there to the people and we had them vote for it in 2006 and they voted for it. The infrastructure to rebuild our levees, to build affordable housing, to build the transportation infrastructure, to build schools and university buildings and all of this kind of stuff and to really get going on the whole thing. So it was great that we Democrats and Republicans were traveling up and down the state and selling to the people the idea of to vote for those initiatives comes election day in November. And uh, we did the same thing with, with other areas, if it's, you know, picking judges, or if it is the environmental issue, uh, you know, where we worked together and we created the kind of the most progressive kind of environmental laws to really reduce greenhouse gases and pollution by 25%. No other state was able to manage that or to do to come even come close. You were doing and the earned uh, income tax credits early yeah, on. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you, 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 your administration created that model. It was revolutionary at the time. Well, we, we did a lot of great, great things, but it was things that we could do. There were certain things we couldn't do together. You know, like when it comes to the fiscal uh, to bring the physical uh, house in order, that was very difficult to do because there's the, the other party that loves to just spend the money. And um, I wanted to stay, keep us within our means and uh, what the revenues show and all that stuff. So that was very hard to do, but that's okay. I was in heaven that we were able to do the amount of things we were able to do. And that's what you do. You kind of figure out what is it the things that you can do. You don't go right away in there and start fighting. You go and try and work with people together. And so I think if you really want to serve the people of a state or of a country, you do the people's work and not the party's work. That's the difference. You know, I was never a party hack. As a matter of fact, uh, you and I, we talked about that, that I sometimes feel like I had both parties on my neck. Because the, the Democrats, the Democrats That's, didn't like me because I was fiscally conservative, and the Republicans didn't like me because I was socially uh, more moderate than they were, and uh, that I was into fighting for the environment, and they didn't really want to do that. I was fighting for universal health care. They didn't want to really do that. And then I picked a, a Democrat as a chief of staff. That's a, yes, you know, I remember and, very uh, well. She happened to be a lesbian. I said, oh my God, she was a bra-burning lesbian. How could you do that, Governor? You're a good Republican. I said, there's nothing to do with the Republican Party. I said, when someone burns their bra or if someone is a lesbian, I said, what does it have to do with party line at all? I said, this is a brilliant woman. She is brilliant. She was a great, great servant. And, and by the, the way, you didn't, you didn't pick her either because 
she was a woman. She was the best person for the job. She gave me the best memos. Uh, she was the most uh, aggressive in understanding what I dry, was trying to do. People freaked. I remember she, people were uh, freaked out when you did that. Oh, she was the, the losing was their minds. Freak out city. But I mean, it's a, to me, I didn't, I just said to myself, I'd rather fight with both parties, but I'm going to always want to f get the feeling that I'm doing the people's work because people don't care about all this stuff. But see, what you're describing, and you're describing me, that's why we've always been so simpatico, is not a Republican today. It's not. And they had a name for that, a rhino, Republican in name only. So you can say you're a Republican, you can say, well, you're a Republican, but the truth of it is we're, we're not. We, 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 that, that party has left us and we're some, un, but I think the country is where, I think the country lives in this space. I really do. I, th I think that most of the country is sort of right, you know, socially let, live and let live and, and physically more conservative and patriotic, believes in a strong military. I think that's where we are, but both, both of, the, of the parties have moved to the fringes to get to the primaries. By the way, you didn't have to go through a primary. I didn't have which to go is, through a primary. Is, I don't think you could have made it through a primary, a Republican primary. Well, I know you couldn't have. Could you have? It, it, it was questionable. And the reason why I thought it was very attractive to uh, run in a recall campaign was because there was no primary and because there was only a two-month period where people can make up their mind and then there was election. And you could just nuke 7th, it out there. You could just you know, nuke it. Exactly. And so the, I yeah. just went all out. All and, out. Uh, and, and, we, and it was, I, I tell you one thing, that uh, with all of the things that I've accomplished in life, this is the thing that I have enjoyed the most. Um, it was unlike anything else. It's it, it very hard to describe to people what great feeling it was to serve 40 million people and to go all out and to really have the trust of those people and to get reelected with 57% of the votes in 2006. And it was like unbelievable. 57%? And, Unheard of. Uh, you know, and so it was, it was really... I think I think that someone that got involved in public service or in meaning in charitable work, you know, when I started working with Special Olympics in the 70s and then in the 80s becoming chairman of the President's Council on Physical Fitness and Sports and Travers Row 50 states and promote health and fitness amongst our youngsters in school and to do more exercise and stuff like that. And then in the 90s to start the after-school program movement and to create after-school programs and then to pass, uh, you know, the, the initiative here in California to give an extra, for the state to invest an extra $500 billion in uh, after-school programs. So all of this kind of stuff kind of like made me feel really good that I was able to give something back to this country that gave me everything. And then I was in to become actually governor and to become a full-time public servant. Uh, it was like absolute heaven. Wow. 
How fun is that? It's so fun that we actually have more. That's right. There is more, a very special two-part interview is what we're talking right now. And part two of this amazing conversation with my, my, my buddy, Arnold, will be coming your way Monday. It's a special occasion. More of me and Arnold. See you then. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Nick Liao, with help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Research by Alyssa Grawl, editing by Jerron Ferguson. Engineering and mixing by Rich Garcia. Our executive producers are Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and myself for Team Coco, and Colin Anderson for Stitcher. Booking by Deirdre Dodd, music by Devin Bryant. Special thanks to Hidden City Studios. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.